1: Welcome back to The Savvy Psychologist. I'm Dr. Ellen Hendrickson, and every week I'll help you meet life's challenges with evidence based research, a sympathetic ear, and zero judgment. This week, forgiveness. It's one of the first lessons we learn. A kid takes our sand toys, the kid's parent makes him give them back and say sorry, and what are we supposed to say next? All together now, it's okay. But as life moves along, transgressions get bigger and more complicated. And eventually, forgiveness becomes analogous to working out every day. It's ideal, it's healthy, and it sounds great in concept, but it's really hard to pull off in real life. So now, before we get too far, let's define what we're talking about. What exactly is forgiveness? Essentially, it's a deliberate decision to release feelings of anger, resentment, or vengeance towards someone who has hurt you. The opposite, unforgiveness, is a roiling mix of resentment, bitterness, hostility, hatred, anger, and fear. It's a mindset, but it also has physiological consequences, such as immune suppression and cardiovascular stress. Unforgiveness isn't pleasant, so we try to find ways to reduce it. We may dig deep into denial, Get revenge through retaliation, pursue justice through legal means, create a convoluted story to explain what happened, or simply move on with life. Or we can forgive. And forgiveness, it turns out, is pretty great. A 2009 study found that people with higher forgiveness scores used less medicine, had better sleep quality, were less depressed, had more energy, and enjoyed better cardiovascular health and greater life satisfaction. Not bad. But forgiveness can be a hard sell. It can feel as if forgiving means excusing the wrongdoing or forgetting it ever happened. Plus, Western culture promotes revenge much more than forgiveness. Forgiveness doesn't play well on TV, and beef makes for much better publicity than when we all get along. But in your own life, beef isn't so pleasant. It hardens your heart, It can keep you stuck and bitter. Plus, unforgiveness can inch you along the path of becoming a transgressor yourself. For example, a study out of the University of Malaga in Spain found that among secondary school students who were victims of cyberbullying, those who scored higher in forgiveness were much less likely to become cyberbullies themselves. So, what to do? Well, getting hurt by others is an inevitable part of life and we'll call that pain. But holding a grudge, ruminating on past offenses, or otherwise not forgiving, we'll call that suffering. And suffering is optional. Ultimately, forgiveness is a decision. There is choice involved. And don't let anyone, including me, tell you when to make the choice. You can forgive whenever you're ready or never. But this week by request from two separate listeners, Jay in Boston and Mark in Italy, we'll tackle how to forgive, especially people who don't apologize. Remember, only you can decide when and how to release those feelings, but these five things can help you along. Forgiveness factor number one is time. It's been said that time heals all wounds, but a study in the journal Emotion found something much more specific. The researchers actually modeled the mathematical function between time and forgiveness. And I'm willing to bet that you're okay with a spoiler on this one, so here you go. By three months after a transgression, average forgiveness increases by two log odds units. And I'm not sure what that means either, but at least time heals all wounds now has an algorithm to back it up. More importantly, the researchers found that forgiveness Went along with valuing one's relationship with the offender. In short, if the person who did you wrong has a place in your life, make it a goal to forgive, but give yourself time. Time won't magically confer forgiveness, but it's a solid foundation from which to do the work of forgiving. Forgiveness factor number two is confidence in your ability to steer your life. Over the course of his career, Superstar psychologist Albert Bandura has shown that the most consistent predictor of good health over a lifetime is something called self-efficacy. And self-efficacy is the technical term for believing in yourself. It's the assumption that you can influence what happens in your life. And it turns out that self-efficacy is essential for forgiveness as well. Letting go may seem passive, but it turns out it's a very active, deliberate decision. Turning a tragedy into an achievement is rooted in a belief that you play a role in your own life. Forgiveness factor number three is an example. Sometimes we need someone to show us how it's done. We need to see a model of forgiveness to inspire humility or compassion. So, the world's religions model forgiveness. The three Abrahamic religions—Judaism, Christianity, and Islam—each model God-forgiving humanity. Buddhists have the concepts of loving-kindness and letting go of attachment. In this case, attachment to a past they wish was different. In Hinduism, forgiveness is often listed among the cardinal virtues. But you don't have to be religious to find a role model for forgiveness extraordinary examples of forgiveness can be found in the news, from an Amish community's forgiveness of a school shooter to Tutsi survivors of the Rwandan genocide forgiving Hutus who killed their loved ones. So whether you find your model in the world's religions or an inspiring story from the other side of the world or your own neighborhood, a real-life model of forgiveness gives you something to aspire to. Forgiveness factor number four, a test run. Forgiveness doesn't suddenly turn on like a light switch. Instead, it's a process. And just like a good workout, forgiveness is enhanced by a warm up routine. Therefore, sometimes a test run can limber us up and get us ready. So here are three ideas. One is to bring to mind a previous instance in which you forgave someone. Remember not only what happened, but also how the process of forgiveness felt emotionally and physiologically in your body. Remember how it felt to let go. Another is to close your eyes and visualize a scene in which you forgive the person who has wronged you. Again, the more vivid you can make this scene, both in terms of sensory detail and how it feels in your body, the more effective it can be. And a third way is to write a letter granting forgiveness. This letter doesn't get sent. It's just for your benefit. But there's something about processing an emotion to the point where it can be turned into language that helps move the forgiveness process along. And finally, forgiveness factor number five is stand up for yourself. The past is in the past, but there are things you can do going forward to make forgiving future transgressions easier. A study out of the University of Calgary found that what the researchers called confrontation coping in the moment, which can be as simple as telling the person not to treat you that way, hangs together with future signifiers of forgiveness, like agreeing with the statements, I wish good things to happen to the person who wronged me. When I see the person who wronged me, I feel at peace. Or simply, I forgave the person who wronged me. In short, standing up for yourself in the moment Makes forgiveness easier and more likely later. What's the alternative to standing up for yourself? Well, something I talk a lot about on the podcast is our old frenemy, avoidance. Avoidance is exactly what it sounds like avoiding the issue, staying away, or not engaging, and it maintains pretty much every kind of mental health problem there is. Unforgiveness is no exception. Never talking about the past pretending a transgression didn't happen, or cutting the person out of your life, all these forms of avoidance are a double-edged sword. Sometimes it's smart. Sometimes it is best to cut poisonous, abusive people out of your life. But avoidance also comes with a price. The same University of Calgary study found that when it comes to forgiveness, avoidance can lead to emotional exhaustion and is more likely to make you retaliate And hold that grudge even longer. All in all, forgiveness is work. It takes time, and it's a choice. The sense of strength and defiance you get from unforgiveness can be motivating and energizing. So, if you're not yet ready to give that up, that's totally fine. But if you're holding a grudge and can't even remember what you're angry about, or you're just tired of holding on to pain and bitterness, think about letting go. Okay, but what about forgiving people who don't apologize? Our listeners, Jay and Mark, specifically asked about how to forgive individuals who don't apologize. And this is a tough one. One way to look at it is this failing to apologize means everything about them and nothing about you. As Gandhi said, the weak can never forgive. Forgiveness is the attribute of the strong. And the same thing goes for apologizing. Most often, people who don't apologize think apology is a sign of weakness that makes them vulnerable and puts them at risk. And they cover this with bravado and stubbornness, but you can trust that it's a show and a sad one at that. With some work and perspective, you can cultivate a sense of compassion for someone who is too weak or fearful to admit they were wrong. Why else should you forgive someone who isn't sorry or isn't strong enough to express it? Consider this. Forgiveness isn't for them. It's for you. You can choose to forgive not because they deserve forgiveness or because they expressed remorse, but because you deserve the peace of mind forgiveness brings. Viktor Frankl was an Austrian psychiatrist and a survivor of multiple concentration camps during the Holocaust. In his classic 1959 book, Man's Search for Meaning, he wrote that even in the most dehumanized and brutal of settings, life has meaning. Even suffering has meaning. He wrote, What is to give light must endure burning. So let go of pain and bitterness when holding on to it costs you more than it buys you. Don't wait for an apology that may never come. That gives your transgressor the power to end your pain. And remember, If you've endured a burning, you get to choose when to give the light. Thank you so much for making the Savvy Psychologist a part of your life. To end the show, here is a quick and dirty tip from my new book, How to Be Yourself, Quiet Your Inner Critic, and Rise Above Social Anxiety. Okay, so when we're feeling socially anxious, we bring in little actions and behaviors to try to save ourselves, like talking really fast to get things over with peppering our conversation partner with questions so we don't have to talk about ourselves, avoiding eye contact, or cutting conversation short with a certain tone of finality. These little behaviors are easy, and over time, they may become automatic. And we think they're keeping us safe like a life preserver, but really, they're keeping us mired. That life preserver is really holding you under. So let go experiment with dropping the little actions that seem to keep you safe. Because actually, they're taking up your bandwidth and making you come across as distant, stuck up, or like an interrogator. Plus, when you drop them, studies show not only do you feel better, but the people you're talking to like you more, prefer you as a friend, and find you to be more authentic. So let go of those little safety behaviors and watch natural friendliness, curiosity, and authenticity fill in the gaps. So pick up How to Be Yourself wherever you like to get your books. And no matter where you buy it, please leave an honest review on Amazon. It helps other people find the book and it really makes a difference. Of course, the savvy psychologist is strictly for informational purposes and doesn't substitute for mental health care from a licensed professional. Until next Friday, have a wonderful week and I'll see you here then. For a happier, healthier mind.
0: It's time to breathe easier this allergy season with Breathe Right nasal strips. With
1: instant nasal congestion relief for up to 12 hours, you can spend your time on your terms, not on your noses. Stuffy nose from outdoor allergens? No problem. We got you. Allergy season just turned into stripping season. Instant relief from nasal congestion anytime, anywhere. Need more convincing? Click the banner below and get a free sample. Breathe right.
0: Get your strip on. Use as directed. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education.